there, and welcome to Choice Words, a podcast by and for book nerds. My name is Ray, your book-infested blogger and local cryptid. And my name is Gracie. I'm your local pigeon and published poet. And today, what are we going to do today, Gracie? We are reviewing a book I just read. Yay! <laughs> um, so we are, well, really, Gracie's going to be doing a yes. lot of talking. <laughs> I'm going to ask a couple questions. Um, for those of you whom this may be the first episode, we do do book reviews together. Um, if you so want, far, one. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you want to go um, listen to our review of Howl's Moving Castle, mm-hmm. that is the one book review that we've done together. Um, we both have pretty extensive reading lists and of those only 10 books overlap it used to be nine (laughs) we did find another one we want to read together um so only 10 of those of our roughly 300 plus book compiled Mm -hmm. and (laughs) ever-growing reading list um only 10 of them overlap so um we do a lot of book reviews we kind of hand off who Mm -hmm. reviews which book Mm -hmm. um it really just depends on who wants to do a book review. Yeah. I mean, Whoever yeah. has read a book most recently <laughs> that they're like, I want to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. So um, this review is going to be done primarily by Gracie. I'm going to be asking the questions. Yes. Um, so what book are we reviewing, Gracie? Yes. So this week I will be reviewing This Is How You Lose the Time War by Max Gladstone and Amal El Motar. All right. And do you want to just start by giving a brief synopsis of the book? Yeah, so this is a science fiction novella. It comes in just under 200 pages. I think it was like 198. Um, And it is an epistolary novel, which means, for those of you who don't know, means it's told primarily through written letters back and forth between these two characters named Red and Blue. Or at least those are the names we as the readers know them by. Um, And they're both soldiers on opposing sides of this time war. That is taking place. So they both travel up and down thread, um, which is how this book talks about time as like a woven braid, um, changing things incrementally to shape the world headed in one direction or the other based on which side they're on. So either towards the agency's goals, which is what Red is doing, or towards the garden's goals, which is what Blue is doing. Um... And they're known to each other because they are each other's direct competition. They are kind of known as each side's best player. Um, And so Blue writes Red a letter that starts out as a taunt uh, in secret. And so these letters start out as very like taunting and like, haha, got you, like try better luck next time, I think is exactly how the first one ends. And then they slowly transform into this like deep love for each other so this is a love story it's very very beautiful and i oh, love it so much <laughs> good thing that you read this story because i'm not a romantic <laughs> i mean that's fair and i am <laughs> um so what are some of your initial thoughts just coming off of this yeah so i as i said loved this book i'm a big fan of queer literature in general but especially really well done queer literature i think so this is an lgbtq correct so both of our main characters are female and they are in love and um one of my favorite things about it was the the depth and accuracy of the queer culture and experience despite it taking place outside of time and outside of what would be considered like current cultural context um there were just so many lines in it where I was like, yeah, this is exactly how queer people, especially like queer women, talk to each other right now. (laughs) And there are like references in there that feel very like inside joke to the queer community 
right now, um, even though this book takes place outside of time. And none of them come off as, like, tropey or forced. Um, there's this, like... <sighs> I, again, like I said, I love queer literature, but there are oftentimes there are a lot of like tropes that it falls into, or there's just kind of this expectation that like these characters struggle because they're queer. And that was not the case in this book. So these book, these characters, red and blue, they just are queer. No explanations, no extenuating circumstances, no tragic life because of their queerness. They just are queer. And like, yes, they do both have like tragedy and they go through horrible things and they have done horrible things but the like queerness of them just is it doesn't there's no you know like that's a big especially in YA queer fiction the the trope of like this is just a coming out story and it's all about the tragedy of coming out or etc etc and this just wasn't that it was just a science fiction book and the characters happened to be queer and I loved that and it was also just a really great story yeah, and kind of going back to the, um, the like, queer experience and it feeling so natural, um, there is, this is funny, actually, I'm going to be talking about a movie that you've never seen, <laughs> and I have. <laughs> That's, That's a first. A That's a first. <laughs> so this book reads the same way that Portrait of a Lady on Fire feels to watch, and other people out there who have seen that movie will know what I mean when I say that, especially queer people who have seen that movie, of, like, it just feels so quintessentially like this is the queer experience that there's no real way to explain how if you're not in that. Um, I felt that way watching Portrait of a Lady on Fire. There's a lot of sapphic yearning in Portrait of a Lady on Fire and there's also a lot of sapphic yearning in this book and it just is so, so well done. <laughs> um, so you talked about this being a sci-fi novella. You talked about it being a love story. In the elements of that, what do you think worked in this book what do you think didn't work and even yeah. outside of the sci-fi and love story elements just as yeah, a book as, in general. as a whole what worked so some things that really did work I love the writing style that both of these authors brought to it there is like a lot of beautiful poetic language used mm -hmm. to describe literally everything in this book but also in these letters there's just so much there's so much vivid sense imagery that like the letters are largely written in like corresponding metaphors back and forth and back and forth and there's like there's also like lots of puns and lots of you know like these two characters are are risking their lives to write to each other literally and they do it in such a way that is so beautiful and there's so much um so it is a science fiction novel it's about time travel but you actually don't learn all that much about the world. So the, the book picks up right in the middle of the world. It doesn't, there's not a lot of exposition. There's not a lot of explanation. Most of what you learn about the world, you learn in the letters that Blue and Red send to each other because they don't know about the other side. And so we're learning bits and pieces from them. But there's a lot that both of them know. So they're not saying in these letters to each other that you just, as the reader, kind of have to figure out. Um, and it clearly takes place on Earth in the future where time travel is happening because they do make references. Like there's, um, at one point, one of them says, as the prophets say, ain't no mountain high enough. And so like there are these references to things that are like, oh, this is Earth, but it's Earth in a like far off and distant future where like all of these, you know, weird... Um, colloquialisms are just like 
old sayings. <laughs> um, and so it's very interesting. They're, they're, they do, what exposition they do have is often through narrative um, or th- like I said, through these letters. And so it doesn't get like bogged down in that heavy exposition, which is one of my like hardest times reading science fiction is just that it's so much exposition to explain your world and what it means. And so for me, I, as we have just talked about in, in the last book review I did, I love a science fiction book that's mostly just the fiction and then sometimes goes, hey, here's some science. <laughs> nice. So just to clarify yeah. uh, for myself and for our listeners here, um, when you say that these, this is um, all mostly letter writing, so do you ever get a glimpse of the world outside of the letters? Yes. You do? Yeah. Okay. So basically the way that the chapters are set up is that they start out with wherever... So, like, um, the chapter will begin with either blue or red, whoever we're following in that in that chapter. And, and it will like start... Like a third person? Or third yeah, so person? The, 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 the parts of the book that are not the letters is written in third person. And so it'll start out wherever blue is. And it'll be like, here's this thing blue's doing. And then they, whichever character it is, she finds the letter because they're all hidden. Um, because, again, this is like a, a, a big deal that they have to keep this a secret even before it turns into love even when it is just like enemies writing to each other kind of in spite it still has to be a secret because they're not allowed to communicate with each other and so these letters are hidden through various means so that only the other would know to look for it and find it um and so then it starts out with whatever situation they're in and then they find the letter and it switches to you know, red writing a letter to blue. And then the next chapter will start out with red doing whatever it is that she's doing. And then she finds a letter and it's blue's letter to her. Um, And so it kind of like goes back and forth. We do see the world and a lot of it is them, again, doing these things to make incremental changes. You know, at one point blue like marries this man and lives with him for like 30 years because, you know, his children will be this thing down and thread, blah, 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 or up thread. I can't remember which one is past and which one's future anymore off the top of my head. But, you know, this incremental change will affect things all the way down through the rest of history. And so this person needs to be in place for this, or this person needs to not go this direction with their job, or whatever the situation is that they're they're making an incremental change that will then eventually lead to long-term change. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting concept about, like, how time works too. Very butterfly effect, but not quite so dramatic. Yeah. Kind of like how when we were talking about, um, when I did my review of Seven and a Half Deaths, it's like, you don't change, it's not like one small change, everything's offset. Yeah. You change things by degrees. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. So then, is there anything that didn't really work? Yeah. Um, so... I hesitate to say that these things didn't work because I think they worked for... So again, this is a novella. Um, So it's very short. For me, it went a little fast, but I think in the confines of a novella, that is just naturally how things are going to happen. I love an enemies to lovers, but I also love a slow burn. (laughs) And so for me, it just goes pretty quickly from these are enemies writing to each other to and now they're in love. And I wish it would have taken a little longer to get there. We would have seen a little bit more. I think that also would have been a way to build more of like 
here's what this world looks like and here's how these people operate in it. Um, but for a novella, I think it went about the pace that it needed to. But I wanted, you know, this book is just under 200 pages. I wanted it to be 600 <laughs> and would have gladly read 600 more pages. Um, again, for me, it's not a problem, but I can see where if other people who are looking for that more heavy exposition, heavier on the science end of science fiction, where this wouldn't have been quite what they were looking for. Again, not a problem for me, but I think if I saw that as a critique from somebody, I would be like, yeah, that's fair. Um, it also goes exactly how you expect it to. Like the beats are pretty on par. Like I wasn't ever surprised by anything that happened in the book, which I was surprised by how good it still was to me then, because it, it, it happened the way I expected it to. Um, which I think if I had gone in knowing nothing about the book wouldn't have happened. Like I would have just been like, oh, I don't know anything about this. Cool. But because I went in knowing that it was a science fiction novel about time travel and it was a love story, it happened, it unfolded about the way I expected it to. Um, which I think pros and cons. So the con being, I wasn't super shocked by any of it, but the pro of that being, again, what I want more of in life sometimes is just a story that feels safe and predictable that just also happens to be about queer people, you know? Cause like there's not enough queer representation we're getting there, but like there are so many romance, especially in the romance genre, there's so many stories out there that happen exactly how you expect them to. And it's about the guy and the girl. And then this happens and then that happens and then they're married. And so this felt like a very safe, predictable story but it was about two queer women and so I, I loved it all the more for that so again it wasn't necessarily a problem but it didn't necessarily jump out and grab me at any point where I was like oh god I didn't see that coming it's it's not gonna like push your boundaries exactly yeah literally yeah. Li li literature wise yes literally literally <laughs> <laughs> and, and there is something to be said about having your safe literature that yeah. you just kind of like go to where it's like your comfort food of literature. Yeah, absolutely. Because I that, have books like that. And so. that is very much how this felt. Like even though I had not read this book before or read anything by either of these authors before, it definitely felt very like safe and homey and like it felt very comforting to read. It's definitely one that I will return to of like, yeah, like a comfort novel. Definitely. Um, so that being said that it's kind of like a comfort novella that you'll mm -hmm. probably come back to what were some of your fave parts or favorite parts yeah if you um, have multiple or just have one i definitely think that there were a lot of parts again as i said it was pretty predictable so picking a favorite part as far as narrative wise i don't know that i necessarily have one that stands out i liked the story in general um i do have a favorite part though there's this part um, in one of the letters that Blue writes to Red, one of the first initial, I, I wish I could remember like what page it was on or what chapter it was, um, but there is this section where Blue is writing to Red and at the end of her letter, she writes, write to me in London next. And that's the first time where it goes from, we are just ships passing in the night and because I know that you're going to be here to try to fix this thing that I just did I'm leaving you this taunting letter and it switches from that to I'm intentionally wanting to communicate with you and it was like such a like simple way to say that it was such a simple like but obvious moment of oh this is changing and it's changing on a dime like it's it goes from these two 
enemies, you know, hero versus villain in their own minds on either side, writing to each other in taunting ways into this, like, there's genuinely a connection here. And it, and it happens so quickly. And it is. It's just that one line, write to me in London next. And she does. And it, so that it, it quickly transitions into these two characters who genuinely care about each other. And so that was kind of one of my favorite parts of, like, that's such a simple way to, to signify that change. And it was very cool. Um, was were there any least favorite parts or parts that like really stuck out as bad or is, um, is really nothing sticking out to you? I don't think so. I would say again, my like I guess least favorite thing about it was that it was predictable. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. all of the like twists and turns. I was like, oh yeah, this is this was not the twist. <laughs> this was just another turn. <laughs> um. So you kind of talked about how um there really were pretty much just two characters in yeah. this. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about the fact that there were pretty much just two characters? I mean, you did yeah. say that this is primarily letters, but you did yes. also then say that there was some writing outside of. Yeah, so the concept of this story in general is, again, this time war. Um, in the book, it I, th- I think it is... I can't remember which one is writing it, but in one of the letters, they describe it as a vine hivey elf world versus the tech mechy dystopia. And so it's these two sides that are like um, the garden versus the agency uh, and the commandant who is the leader of the agency. And so it's these two sides who are fighting this war. And we never really hear about like what the goals are of these worlds we just know that the goals are for one side to win and that's really all that red and blue know is that like my goal my purpose is to help my side win until they meet each other and so while there is writing outside and we do meet some other like we meet the commandant and we meet garden as characters the the side characters almost like don't really matter i don't want to say they don't matter because they do they matter to the like scope of the story but they aren't significant enough that we learn anything about them other than they are important to our main characters um and normally that would kind of like rub me the wrong way in a narrative sense but in this it kind of gave it that feeling of like the only thing that matters is these two in that like tropey romance way of the whole the rest of the world fades away and it's just you and I and that was kind of the way this whole book felt because it really is just these two characters and anytime even when we are following you know when it's not the letters and it is the um third person narrative description it's still just following one of these two characters in whatever they're doing in that moment um and I think that was a really interesting choice, but one that I actually, I think really enhanced the story itself, especially in such a condensed novella setting. So out of the two main characters, I mean, you know, I know you just said that you also meet the commandant and (laughs) garden. Yes. Um, Do you have a favorite character out of the two? Uh, I don't think I do, mostly because I am drawn more towards blue as like a, I want to be this person, but I feel I am more a red. Um, <laughs> but I really like it. I, I really like both of them. And they both, from the very beginning, these letters are filled with admiration for each other. Even in the very first letter where it is a taunt, a direct, like, 
I beat you, I bested you, it's still filled with admiration for who the other is. Mm -hmm. And so you're only learning about them through each other's eyes. And so it's, or through how they describe themselves in their letters. And so it's really hard for me to like pick a favorite character because I almost feel like I didn't get to see the full scope of who they are as individual characters. I only know them connected. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that probably was the point of writing it that way is that these characters are so deeply entwined. I would say it certainly is based on the direction the story goes. (laughs) Cause in the story, Again, spoilers have been happening and will continue to happen. Um, we They both tell two very important, like, here's the part of my life where I figured out I was different. Which, again, a very, like, classic queer experience. But it wasn't the moment that they were like, this is when I realized I was queer. It was just like, this is the moment I realized I was different from the rest of the people in this army that I'm a part of on my side. And through time... And through the story, we find out that it was that thing that happened was caused by the other one later. Mm. Because again, there's a lots of time jumping and um, neither of them know that until after it happens for the other one. And then that's when they realize, oh, that was you. (laughs) Um, And so again, I think that these characters are so intertwined that they almost feel like a unit as one character. So I don't think I could pick a favorite. All, all that to say, I, I don't think I could pick a favorite. <laughs> Fair enough. So this has been written. You said it has some third person, mm-hmm. some letters. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the book was written and like any of your observations or yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah. So again, I think because it is a novella, it, it comes up quick, but I really like the, the short third person narratives followed by letter it 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 paces it out really well and it it follows a good you know like it it's not one of those things where it feels like nothing happened these characters met and fell in love instantly like you're getting to see time is passing even though this takes place outside of time and it's a little wibbly and um but there is it is clear from these like third person narrative descriptions that like things are still going on. Life is still happening for these characters outside of these letters. It's just that these letters are also such a huge part of it. Um, And so I loved that. One thing I will say about the writing style. So I did, I was looking at, um, so anytime a book is co-written, I always want to know more about that because there are some books that are co-written where it's like, we write interchanging chapters. And then it's, there are other times where it's like, we both wrote the whole thing. And it was a lot of just like, brainstorming and editing and brainstorming and editing and we both all did it together and so I'm always interested to see what that kind of looks like and so I was looking into it and this book was written interchanging chapters between authors and so all of the chapters or well I guess I should say letters all of the letters written by red were written by max gladstone and all of the letters written by blue were written by amal el motar and they had established an outline beforehand, but the they would just send these chapters to each other and say, and now you respond to this. So it was written literally as letters to each other, as well as being written in a letter format, which I think was a very interesting way to do it, both from a writing perspective, but also from a reading perspective, you can kind of tell that some of the, like these characters feel 
while I said that they do, they are very intertwined, they feel very distinct. And I think that that was probably a product of writing the book this way. Is that like, while they had this outline established, they didn't go over, this is how I'm going to write this. So you should respond this way. It was just, hey, here's my chapter, your turn. And that was how the characters were writing to each other as well. And so I think that that really, if anything, strengthened the way that the book came across. It kind of solidified that these are strangers writing to each other and learning about each other. It's very cool. It's a very cool way to write a book. Yeah. Kind of makes me want to write a book. I know. <laughs> like, that, that's a pretty Or at least start way. writing some letters to people. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very interesting way to go about writing a story. Like, especially if you're going to have letters between two people mm-hmm. to essentially write the book in letters. letters yeah that's that's actually really smart <laughs> i know i loved it I, when i heard that i was floored i was like that's so cool oh so cool um so what would you say is a favorite quote from this book yes so there were so many again the the beautiful poetic language that this book was written in made for so many lines that stand out as just incredible so it was actually very difficult for me to pick a favorite quote but for the sake of podcast the one that i have is this it's from near the end of the book And it's, love is what we have against time and death, against all the powers ranged to crush us down. And it just kind of like sums up the book really well, I think. How very soppy and romantic. Yes. (laughs) Oh, trust me. There were so many other lines that I thought about bringing to the podcast. And I was like, Ray will just roll her eyes at me. (laughs) I I may throw up. (laughs) There's one about, um, I'll kill every poet and take their place so that every time the word love has ever been written it will be about you and i thought about bringing that one to the oh podcast it's just so good <laughs> oh it's so good i'm, I'm gonna be sick <laughs> okay uh <laughs> vomit inducing moving on romantics aside um what's the purpose of this book and do you think it was done well Ooh. That's a good question. I guess I don't know what the authors had in mind for a purpose, but I think for me, the way that I'm reading it is kind of creating those like safe, classic, tropey romance novels in a queer fashion. And for me, it absolutely succeeds in being that. What rating would you get this book? I'm going to give this book a five out of five. I really, really liked this book. Yeah? Yeah. I liked this book so much that um, I... I'm going to be reading this again shortly because my boyfriend and I have been reading to each other over FaceTime and I want to read him this book. (laughs) So once we finish the book that he's reading to me, we will be reading this book. (laughs) All right. Yeah, it's a good one. It is a good one. Um, Who would you recommend this to? I would recommend this book to anybody who, similar to me, likes science fiction that doesn't rely too heavily on that exposition and heavy science side. Um... And I would also recommend this book to anybody who, again, very similar to me, is looking for those safe, classic, tropey romance novels that don't come across as tropey as they could and that are filled with just such beautifully crafted queer characters. All right. Yeah. So that is it for what I have for questions. Nice. Um, If you would also like to read this book, it is, again... This is How You Lose the Time War by Max Gladstone and Amal El Motar. Yeah, so you can pick that up at your local library or you can buy it from a local bookstore. We 
highly suggest trying to find any independent booksellers yes. near you. Yes. Um, if you would like to listen to other book reviews that we've done, we have reviewed Howl's Moving Castle, The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. The Carl's the Duology. The Carl's Duology. Um, you can find all of that on Spotify at mm-hmm. Choice Words. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at Choice Words Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Choice Words underscore pod. Um, if you read this book, let us know if you liked it. Yes. If, oh my God. I would love to hear your thoughts. If you oh. have other book recommendations or thoughts that you want to send our way, mm-hmm. um, any feedback, we would love to hear it from you. Yes. Um, otherwise, have a good day. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>